Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And boom goes the dynamite. What an afternoon it is. James Harden, no longer a Houston Rocket. I'm chomping at the bit to discuss it, break it down. Joining me on the line, longtime Rockets Red Rowdy, a massive fan for years and years like myself. You know her as Red Rowdy Maya. Hey, good to talk with you, Maya. Hey, good to talk with you, Robert. Let's break it down a little bit because the Rockets, uh, they get Brooklyn's three unprotected first-round draft picks. 22, 24, and 26, along with pick swaps in 21, 23, 25, and 27. So for the next seven years, they basically own Brooklyn's draft choices, or at least if, if it's ahead of theirs. Um, Durant, or behind, uh, yeah, ahead of them. Durant signed through 2023, so my feeling is, although those Brooklyn picks are probably useless until the 25 to 27 picks, so basically they recoup the Russell Westbrook aspect, so to speak. That's like... It's kind of like the Texans dealing Deshaun to Miami to re- recoup the Laramie Tunsil draft pick. So that sort of made me laugh, Maya. And I know everybody says, well, you can use these picks for trade as- trade assets. But, you know, my answer to that is how valuable, and this is a question for you, how about valuable are a bunch of probably late round picks and definitely not lottery picks in today's NBA? And I guess, well, my answer would be worthless, right? I don't feel like it's something that, has panned out for other teams that had a bunch of draft picks. They're still in the building stage. They haven't gone to even the finals in the uh, East or the Western Conference. So with the, all of those draft picks, they were hoarding. So look at how long it's taken Philadelphia to be competitive, Boston to be competitive. I'm not impressed with these draft picks whatsoever. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think those are worth anything. T- t- at the beginning, I, I thought, okay, who's the best player that you can get back. Let's see if you can get somebody at least really good, potentially all-star level. And I'm going to get to who they got in a second, but they also got Milwaukee's 2022 first-round pick. Again, I think it's pretty worthless because Giannis will be there. That'll be a late first-round pick at best. And, you know, you get to the players that they got. Let's go to those. Dante Exum, really a meaningless expiring contract. Uh, you know, And only the, the only potential part of the deal that I'm excited about and, and I can be really excited about this is Victor Oladipo. And, and Maya, let me just start off by saying Oladipo, he's another play, player that they've got that's coming off a big injury like John Wall and Boogie Cousins and Nawaba. This is a 28-year-old, you know, fairly young player in his prime, coming off a ruptured uh, quad tendon. Uh, when he was healthy, he carried Indiana to the playoffs. I like that. He's a two-way player, two-time All-Star former first-team All-Defense. He was a third-team All-NBA just two years ago. He can hit big shots and big moments. He's a hard worker. He turned himself into something special with a lot of work. And coming off the injury, he's averaging 20 points per game on a team that has a number of scores. And Indiana had other talent, and still, you know, he was able to get 20 points per game. He's shooting 42%, 36% from three. Maya... I like I like this guy. If he is healthy, I like him. His numbers are basically back to his all-star seasons. He's shooting um, good. He, he, he's a shooting guard who gets rebounds, assists, fits in perfectly with John Wall's skill set. Mm-hmm. But, but what I don't want to hear, Maya, is I don't want to hear the Rockets are going to trade him for picks or something stupid like that. 
let's keep Victor Oladipo. I like that that guy, and and he looks like he's back to the same Victor Oladipo, similar to, to what John Walls looks so far. Yes, he he does look like he's gotten back to probably ninety percent of his productivity. Um, I think his three point shooting was a bit sharper before the injury. And he does know how to hit clutch shots. And I like the fact that he does know how to defend. Um, and he is a hard worker. He definitely, he's unrecognizable from the Victor Oladipo we've seen with OKC and, and um, Russ Westbrook a few years ago when we met them in the 2015, I believe, or 2016 playoffs. Before he went to Indiana, he was with the Thunder. He is nowhere close to that Victor Oladipo. I like his work ethic, and I like the fact that he can shoot from the perimeter and defend. His contract expires at the end of the year, so this is like our trial basis. We get to see how him and John Wall fit, and if it's a good formula for extending and offering him uh, a big payday, which Indiana had communicated they were not going to do. They weren't really interested in doing that. What didn't you like about this deal? What what made you angry? Is it, or is it just the fact that, that James Harden is leaving and, and and he's a MVP caliber talent and, and you're just you don't feel like they just got enough back for that? I don't think they got enough back. I don't feel like I felt like getting Ben Simmons and like Maxi from Philly would have been a better deal. I don't really care about those draft picks. I know that's what the organization cares about because they were trying to recoup what they lost in a Russell Westbrook trade. Okay. That's fine. But as a fan, I want an entertaining product, a winning product out there. There's a slim to none chance that they were going to acquire someone of James Harden's caliber because they don't exist. If someone of his caliber would have left a team in a trade, that would deplete that team. So I knew we weren't going to get the exact value. But another marquee player would have been nice or rising young star like Ben Simmons and Maxi, that would have been nice. It might have been, you know, people like, oh, I want to go check them out. We know that Ben Simmons has a limit on his offensive ability, but what he does really well is something we don't have currently in any of our, with uh, our current roster. So that would have been a nice dynamic, refreshing dynamic. Nothing about Victor Oladipo excites me. As a fan, you still want to be entertained. Yeah, well, here's here's what I'll say about Oladipo, and and this is where I, I I guess I disagree with you a little bit. I don't want necessarily a guy like Ben Simmons to add to John Wall because then you have two guys that can't shoot, and Ben Simmons just can't shoot uh, a little bit. He can't shoot a lot. He can't get a basket outside of four feet. And and, and I know a lot of people will say, well, you know, John Wall not a long term guy, but I still feel like. I don't know, Maya. I thought you could have made a trade, and and I feel like this is a little bit of that trade with Oladipo. If if he's indeed back to his old self, you you make it. You can make a trade where the Rockets could still be competitive this year and still be a playoff team, maybe not championship level. But I mean, there's not a lot of teams out there that can say that they are championship level, but they could be competitive. And my my problem with having Ben Simmons and John Wall on the same team is neither guy can shoot the basketball. And as much as I'm impressed by Ben Simmons' talent and all the other stuff that he can do, I like guys that can make a shot when you need a shot in the playoffs. And Ben Simmons just was never going to be that. I mean, he's had years and years now to develop a jump shot. And this is somebody that's afraid to shoot 
from beyond four or five feet. Right. I understand he had limitations. That's why I said pairing him with uh, Maxi might have been a um, a good balance because you wouldn't have to rely so much on him. Uh, maybe you know to to carry our offense deep in the playoffs. I feel like John Wall really can shoot a lot better than people giving him credit for. I mean, he is not a shooting guard. No, he's not. But he can hit a three. He can um, drive to the basket. And and what I saw was with um, the athleticism that that um, John Wall, Ben Simmons, or Ben Simmons, yeah, yeah, that he possessed and his ability to guard. We need defenders and longer defenders, not someone that's going to get picked off because of their size. And that is why I'm really not that excited about Victor Oladipo. He's not a big guard. So I feel like, you know, is there some uh, drawbacks to that? If I had to choose another guard, I would choose one that's, that's taller than than John Wall and has a a, a bit more athletic disposition not necessarily another shooting guard because really you have eric gordon if they need to they could switch the lineup around um and especially close out a game you don't have to have ben simmons out there i mean it's just a thought it was just a thought oladipo though i mean he's not somebody that's that small i mean he's he's six four six five he's got long arms and oladipo as a defender just a couple of years ago, he was third team All NBA in defense. I mean, he—I uh, mean, I'm sorry, first team All All defense, not third team. So yeah, he he can defend a little bit. Yeah, he can. I'm not like I said. It's just the excitement part. I'm not a hundred percent down on Oladipo. I just like I said, it doesn't excite me. Part of my unhappiness is like I'm not buying a ticket to go see that product. Absolutely not. That's just not gonna happen. I still miss going to the games. I am a fan. And so I need it to be some level of excitement. And I am I will uh, give them a good 20 games to see how it's going to play out. And maybe in the second half of the season, you know, the product will be more entertaining. But right now on paper, it does not look entertaining. And I don't see myself going to the game. And I'm coming from the fans' perspective. How competitively our team will be, I don't know. I still don't really understand all of Silas's coaching uh, schemes. Um, I don't want to judge any of the last nine games on by what he wanted to do because we had a bad apple in the bunch. So <laughs> I would, I just don't know. The product right now is on paper. It doesn't look entertaining at all. On the Ben Simmons front. He was prepared to be traded today, according to ESPN's Brian Windhorse, and Ben Simmons was on the table, according to ESPN's Tim McMahon. Windhorse's intuition was that Philly passed on the deal, Maya, and that that's one of the things I'm wondering is maybe they thought they looked pretty good after these first few games and it wasn't necessary to give up a bunch of assets. And, you know, Ben Simmons is... He's a young guy that they signed for a longer term, and I don't think this is just... A Daryl decision. I think this was an organizational decision. Elton Brand probably, you know, has something to say in that. And Ben Simmons, uh, he wants to be there. I mean, he wants to be in Philadelphia. He likes Philadelphia. He was happy that he was not part of this trade from the reports that I've heard. But you mentioned Maxi. I, I don't know what the offer was, and we might not ever know. But maybe, maybe that was part of the problem is that the Rockets couldn't get Maxi in the deal. 
And so they, they would rather have a lot more of those draft picks. And I, I don't know if Daryl was going to be willing to throw away all, throw all those draft choices, you know, in that, the way that uh, the Nets would. And because the Nets are pretty much, they've got their wagon tied to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And those two guys are signed only for a couple of more years. And that, that's what makes the draft choices so interesting to the Rockets is, you know, they might not be around that much longer. That's true. That's true. That is true. The draft picks, like I said, they don't do anything for uh, me because it's the unknown and I'm dealing with the now. We needed a, a change. It would have been nice if it would have occurred before the season actually started, but it didn't. And so I call this the rehab team because we have four guys that have been injured, seriously injured in the last two seasons. And now they're all trying to prove that they're at their they're back they're back at 100% and that they can compete. So I feel like they will have Boogie, David Nawaba, maybe not as much, but for sure John Wall and Victor Oladipo, all of them have a chip on their shoulder to prove that they are back and they can compete at the high level that they were pre-injury. That could be really a good product to watch, but I don't know just yet. I still don't know with P.J. Tucker, Daniel House is a big old question mark. I would love to see him gone. And Eric Gordon, he's got to make a decision. Like, your three is not falling. And so the fact that he can attack the rim pretty easily and score that way, I'm fine with that if that's what you're really good at. Yeah, I want to mention Garrett Gordon because he's a guy, if you can keep him upright, he can give you 20 on any given night. And then you look at what the Rockets have right now. It's, it's Christian Wood, Oladipo, and Wall. They're two former All-Stars. Wood looks like he could be a third All-Star. I mean, it, there's four guys on any given night, and and most nights, a couple of those guys are going to get you 20, but on any given night, you know, all four of those guys could get you 20 a game, even maybe potentially 30 a game. Um, I, I just don't think you need to go into any sort of immediate rebuild and start selling off everybody, P.J. Tucker, I, I get it. He might want out of here, and you're not going to sign him next year, and maybe he doesn't fit as well without J- James Harden. But for everybody else, I'm like, you don't need to sell off veterans to get draft choices when you have a team that could be a playoff team. And I, I'm just not one of those people. I don't know how you are with this, Maya. I'm just, I don't want to go into lottery hell where you're just – you know, getting all these draft picks and you're waiting for that superstar or two that's going to pull you out of there. How about just have a lot of really good players? I agree. I mean, I don't think we should go in the lottery hell. I don't think we need to trade Eric Gordon for draft picks. It would be to get a a more reliable three-point shooter, (laughs) in my opinion, if that's what you want from him, if that's the skill set you want out of him. If you're okay with his ability to slash and and attack their bats, and he's a really good defender too, then keep him. I'm not saying we should. PJ, on the other hand, he needs to be out of the starting lineup, and I want to see him probably on another team because we need a forward, a small forward that can produce, and that's not what he's – I don't know what his position is, really. I mean, we got him as a four. He doesn't score at an effective clip, and he's undersized. Right now, we're not doing the small ball thing. So we really, really – we have Jay Sean Tate and Dave Nawab. I mean, like, I think we got that front covered. We can undersize fours. We need somebody with 6'9", 6'10", 6'9", for sure, that can put the ball in the basket. That's what we I would like to get for him, not necessarily draft picks. 
Yeah, the only way I would trade Eric Gordon is if you could get something really back for him that would get me excited. The thing about Eric Gordon is, you know, the injury part is the one thing that scares me. Otherwise, I I like Eric Gordon. I think there's a lot of people that criticize Eric Gordon. I I think he's a six-man, a great six-man, and six-men are not reliable players. They're going to be inconsistent. But the thing I, I, I agree with you about Eric Gordon is, you know, as long as he's not shooting 25 foot threes and he's driving to the basket more, you know, that that's great because he plays really good defense and you count on that every night. And the other thing about Eric Gordon is he can get you to the free throw line. That's underrated about his game. And I just get, I don't know about you, my, I just, I'm so frustrated with him because look, it's, it's a year and a half. He's not hitting three pointers and he's still shooting him like he's Steph Curry out there, like he thinks he's got 25-foot range. <laughs> yes, I don't really understand. And, like, in preseason, I think he was shooting all right. And then he just hits the slump. He's so inconsistent, and I don't really know if what the problem is. And who is our shooting coach on our team? And why do they not – why are we not seeing good production from our shooters? Because – um yeah, who's helping him with his shot? I don't I I just don't understand it. I don't know why why he can be hot and then all of a sudden he he goes 10 games and he can't hit the side of the basket. Yeah, the the one thing that I I feel like in that deal that the Rockets should have pressured the Nets on is you talk about shooting. Give me Joe Harris. You can keep draft choices for the next 3 years. I I want Joe Harris. I have no idea. I'm sure he, I, I, to me, you have Kevin Durant, you have Kyrie Irving, and you won James Harden. Those are all really good three-point shooters. Why would you not ask for Joe Harris? Hello, somebody. You, I mean, this guy is so automatic, and he would have fit right on in with our our scheme. And, you know, ugh, how could you not ask for him? I mean, they, they let go of Karis LeVert which was their other really good solid piece. And I mean, that was, I guess they had to make the numbers work. Maybe Joe Harris numbers, you know, his contract, because he did recently sign a a four year contract that might've scared uh, Tillman away. They probably didn't even want him because of the length on this contract. So that, you know, that might've been a a reason, but yeah, he possesses a skill set that we desperately need. But maybe they'll give this will free up uh Benny uh Ben McLemore. Not having James on the court uh will free up some time for Ben McLemore. Cause we can have two shooting guard type personalities uh with Ben McLemore and Eric Gordon. The other thing about this uh move is if you look at the Rockets right now, you know, James Harden was a really good shooter. But, you know, he, he hadn't shot well at all this year. You look at the rest of this team, and it's funny you mentioned that. We talked about Eric Gordon, and you mentioned Ben McLemore. Outside of Ben McLemore, it just didn't seem like anybody on the Rockets could shoot threes. I, I was kind of wondering if Christian Wood, you know, what he did last year was an anomaly as three-point shooting. We'll see. Um, he'll probably be up and down. We'll see if he can you know, get it to about 36%, I think, is is what he was last year. And that's good enough. 36% is great. But if you, look at, if you look at the rest of the Rockets shooting, I mean, P.J. Tucker's shooting great, but that's not sustainable, and he's not shooting hardly at all. So that doesn't matter. And then the, the rest of the Rockets, though, Nawaba looks terrible. 
Um, a lot of the guys just look bad. We talked about Eric Gordon. He's shooting under 30% at the moment. Um, and he's also dealing with injuries like he always is. And I mean, John Wall's not good. It's not a good shooting three-point team. And that's something that's been a problem consistently. And I, I, I understand that Ben McLemore can't play defense, but there is one, there's a lot of things I don't agree with on Rockets Twitter, Maya, but the one thing that I do agree w- with is you got to get Ben McLemore out there because he, he's the one guy on this whole roster that it's a consistent three-point shooter. Yes. Him and Sterling Brown, I think, need some more minutes over David Nwaba, in my opinion. Yes. Um, Nwaba gets his free throws. He um, he can't hit, you know, his perimeter shooting is subpar. And he's not as aggressive as Jay Sean Tate and consistent in, in scoring in the paint. He has some moves, but he disappears. And so I need someone out there who is going to actually be engaged and look and look for their shot with confidence. Excuse me. Boogie is a really good... Uh, 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 I think you overlooked him. Um, Cousins shoots from the perimeter and has a sustainably above, I think, 34-35% three-point uh, percentage. So, he's the stretch five. He's he's good. Like, over the course, if you look at his history, he had gotten better the last few years before he got hurt. I, I just want to see what he's going to do once he's back with this all these injuries if he can you know hit the three but I I don't look at Boogie as somebody that hey let's get him the ball he can shoot three and and the, the problem Maya with Boogie as a three-point shooter is teams aren't going to come out there to get him I, I want a guy that's going to open up the floor with their three-point shot and the Rockets just don't besides Ben McLemore they just don't have guys like that on on the roster and Oladipo 36 percent that's a little bit more reasonable and he and he's a good that's somebody that's gonna they're gonna have to respect but I mean that that was that was James Harden so it's you're basically it's a wash there we should have an advantage uh versus you know uh the next 10 teams we face because they really don't know how to plot against Victor and in our scheme and then they won't even they really probably won't know what our what our scheme is going to be because they're so used to just planning how to stop James Harden. Um, so I actually think our team has an advantage strategy-wise um, in the next few games before the game tape starts circulating of what's going on with the Rockets now because <laughs> they're not going to know what to do. They the, the NBA's main target has been stopping James Harden, and now that he's on another team, they're going to look at us and like, okay, who are those people? <laughs> what do we do against them? Christian Wood's going to get a lot of attention there, I think. He's going to be the target, I believe, um, in a lot of game, defensive game plans. How do we stop him? Because he's thin, and um, they feel like they could probably body him and take him off his game. Yeah, I'm just hoping – I hope that John Wall does a little bit better job than I've seen so far working with Christian Wood on the pick-and-roll game. It was James who was very successful with him. I don't understand – why a point guard like John Wall couldn't be successful with with Christian Wood on the pick and roll. And, you know, hopefully Oladipo can do that as well because I think he's super dangerous on the pick and roll, but I don't want him standing there just being a, a shooter and I don't want him necessarily posting up a ton or, or you know, trying to hit these like 18 to 20 footers, even though, you know, there's no Daryl Morey. I, I'm, I'm still not a fan of the, you know, just a, uh, a dead set 18 to 20 footer. If it's somebody like Christian Wood, I mean, if it was Chris Paul, 
Yes, but otherwise, there's a lot of guys in the NBA you just you don't want him to see you don't want to see him shoot that shot. Um, so I, I want to see the that's the thing I, I want to see the pick and roll game with Christian Wood as much as possible because when he's in there, him rolling to the basket, you know the only way you stop him is they, they've tried to body him or, or foul him, and some, a lot of times that gets called. That's the only way they've been able to stop that game because he's such a great finisher around the. I mean, he's incredible. I mean, my haven't you been just blown away at what a great finisher he is and, and catching the ball in traffic? He has excellent hands. I mean, the strength in his hands. He doesn't turn the ball over uh, that much. I mean, what I think is missing in his game is uh, like the tenacity to score. Because he looked passive in the last two games, um, offensively. That's why I didn't. I don't. That's why he didn't get twenty points the last game. Um, he needs to be more assertive. Is what I meant to say. He's not assertive enough, and that could all be because James Harden was throwing everybody off. So I think right now, with without the cloud of James Harden hold um, hanging over their head, he might be more assertive. And then I think the pick and roll action between him and John Wall and Oladipo will be, it'll probably take a few games, maybe eight to 10 games. It'll probably be on, on point after that because they're going to get the practice time. And of course we play every other day games. So they'll get the, you know, they'll get it together. I do believe. I, I want to finish off the, with this from you because James Harden, are, are you, upset that he's gone are you happy that he's gone like what what's the lasting taste that you have of James Harden and how this whole thing sort of played out I think it was very disrespectful of him to demand a trade when the team bent over backwards and and sacrificed future draft round picks and stability because of you not his inability to get along with Chris Paul not working out with Russell Westbrook, didn't get along with Dwight Howard. I mean, superstar after superstar didn't get along with him. And the team catered to his every need. And he was immature in his approach and how he went about this trade. And now I feel like he just act like a spoiled diva and just threw all his teammates underneath the bus so that he could be traded today. I feel like that was very unprofessional and disrespectful but that's his legacy that's the way he wants to handle himself okay the the organization plays a role in that they enabled him to become that monster that he became and they didn't you know didn't put their foot down when they needed to to keep him in check we probably would have had chris paul still here you know um i just feel like his own destructive ways put the the organization in the position that it that it's in now and so now you want to cry and, and and leave when you were the reason why we are where we are okay bye him leaving i just wish it would have been a, a a little bit neater situation than than the way it, it went down let me ask you this about james harden because this is what i believe you know i, I i'm somebody that just i i I'm kind of glad that he's gone because for me, he was always somebody that was hard to root for, you know, outside of his offensive game that, that could be fun. It, it, it was hard to root for this team that was the James Harden offense and he's dribbling the ball a lot and the offense, you know, could be a little bit difficult to watch, but it was even harder for me 
to watch somebody that I felt like at times uh, quit out there on the court, stopped playing, uh, wasn't always giving full effort everywhere. Um, I know everybody says he worked works hard. That's fine, but he worked hard, it seemed like, on his offensive game. But there was a lot of things about his game that just didn't seem to to get better, like playing off ball, doing all those sorts of things. And I, I'm just, I'm not going to miss him, Maya. The personality, you're right. He's, he's, his offensive prowess is what I'm going to miss. But you're right, his personality, no. Um, because he did not have a great personality whatsoever. And um, it just came off as entitled and spoiled and, and, and standoffish. So, no, you're right. I agree with you. He, he, as a person, he is hard to root for. But he definitely entertained us. And that entertainment value is hard to find in the NBA. I will say that. He was a polarizing figure. That actually added to his entertainment value. So, <laughs> you know. And the fact that he he was inconsistent on defense. Lately, though, the last season or two, he really had, to me, I saw strides and I saw growth. And the fact that he didn't give 100% effort, he was responsible by his own design for Stoke carrying the team offensively, initiating the offense. He was too ball-dominant, and that wore on him physically, whether he wanted to admit it or not. Clubbing probably didn't help either going to to the clubs and all the stuff that came out after Westbrook left, all that information that came out, none of that sounded good. And none of that sounded like it would help him with his uh, lulls and energy that we would see throughout the season. But he kept getting into getting in, in his own way. He probably, we weren't going to go as, any further than what, where we've been to the Western Conference Finals. We just couldn't win with him because the way he did not mesh with the other t- with uh, key teammates, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, even Dwight. Yeah, it was always somebody else's fault with him, right? Exactly. The other thing about, you know, James is, you know, a guy in the community, I just didn't feel like he was this Houston guy. I mean, I get it. He was out at the clubs or whatever and supporting that business, but James Harden as a good guy, he, that never came off to me. I, unless I missed something, Maya. No, you're right. You're right. It was always so pre-organized, nothing organic. It was always a photo opportunity or something. You never felt like he did something or he's, he, out of the kindness of his heart, he would pay for a child's, funeral or something. I mean, you, he does not come across today. He was too busy entertaining rappers and strippers. So like you said, you know, his personality, hard to root for that. He is not a community guy. Like John Wall, Russell Westbrook, they are community guys. They love their community. They they love doing stuff in the community. They're more humble than he is. James Harden is not humble at all. It's ugly on him because all of the rumors about the strippers and the rappers, all of that is true. And that, I mean, you're 31 years old, man. You should be, that's, it's just, he's too immature to achieve the level that he wants to achieve getting a ring. I just feel like him going to Brooklyn, it takes the pressure off of him of having to be prepared and deliver every game because he knows Kyrie and KD can carry the offense. 
So it's like a, an escape route out. Like, okay, I don't have to do all this anymore. I've been grinding so long for eight years, carrying the offense. Now I can take a step back and go to a team that has the offensive power that I don't have to be the offensive power. You you see what I'm saying? I agree with you. I mean, I'm, I've been saying that for a couple of years now. I just, I, he's, he hasn't grown as a leader. He hasn't grown as somebody that you would trust to carry you to a championship. And I just didn't think he was going to be the best player on a championship team. And I, I get it that he was nearly the best player on a championship team a couple of years ago with Chris Paul, but Chris Paul was the one making all those big shots. So maybe James Harden was the best regular season uh, guy that on that team that year. But I, I, I did not think he was the best player when it counted in the postseason because the reason why the Rockets were up 3-2 in that series was Chris Paul hitting big shots in those last couple of games, right? Yes. Yes. They worked well together that year, it, as evidenced by the wins and everything else. So, you know, that was a, it was lightning in the bottle that year. And after that, we've seen how it played out. That probably was the closest we were going to get. And I think that's what everybody's so hung up on. Like, we didn't give that a chance. People can't get over that combination on on Twitter. The Rockets, I mean, uh, the Chris Paul and Harden combo. Like, they're still holding on to why didn't we, I wish we would have had kept Chris Paul and all of that. You know, Chris Paul kind of faded out. In on He had some personality issues, too. Nobody really acknowledged is that but it was a two-way breakdown in communication it wasn't a one-way breakdown in communication with that you know to their to their uh relationship it was it came on both it came from both sides in my opinion but um i'm 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 over it i'm ready to see a new product yeah the other thing i i noticed uh, on twitter you said uh, which to me i want you to repeat this because i i, I want to respond to this you said my favorite james harden moment as a rocket was what oh it was when he hit the three-pointer in overtime against uh the warriors with dre mon green and um clay hanging on him that was very very entertaining i keep seeing that clip over and over again in my head so that would be that's my favorite memory i guess that struck me so much maya when i saw that you put that up there and i agree with you I, that's my favorite memory too but what struck me was with all the playoff games that the Rockets have been in over the last seven years or eight years or whatever it's been, your favorite memory of James Harden is a regular season game. That, that to me, sort of says something about James Harden's postseason play. It does. It does because what I remember about him is running out of gas in the playoffs. Um, and teams and, – and, and the lack of adjustment by our team to the defenses that we were – that he was seeing, I feel like as much as he gets the blame for a postseason failure, his teammates deserve a lot of the blame because they never picked up their offense. It was like everybody just depended on him to score it all the time, score, score, score. And when he he dipped down from 40 points a game to 26 in the playoffs, no one picked up the difference. They didn't, I mean. That's where I will say, Maya, this, that, you know, a lot of people would say the teammates couldn't pick it up because James was the guy that was having to do it in the regular season. That that, that was the habit, and the offense was designed to where James has got the ball, and James is supposed to make the play, and James is supposed to make the shot. And once that doesn't 
happen when, when it's the playoffs because everybody is much more much more focused defensively. The other teams are not going to allow some of the easy stuff that they got. You know, they got a, they got away from that, giving up that easy stuff in the, that they had given up in the regular season. So I just think that that's the way the Rockets' offense was set up. And the fact that he was tired was the way the Rockets had set it up or James had set it up with the way that he played. I mean, that was just – that was set up all through every single regular season and, and nothing about that change. And I think it's – I think it's James' fault. I think it's the coaching's coach's fault. Um, it's, it's, it's a couple of different, it's, it's not just, it's not just all the, his teammates faults. I I think the the coach and James gets a lot of blame on that. Yes, they do. But it's still a team game. Like you're getting paid to hit your baskets, to score. You're getting paid to rebound. You're getting paid to box out. You're getting paid to do all the things. One person can't do that against five. And so, like I the organization, the team, the players, everybody deserves uh, some of the blame for postseason failure. It A lot of it is put on James' shoulder, rightfully so. But he can't beat, a, uh, you know, five other players or seven other players. The other team bench coming off and scoring and our team giving you eight points and seven points and ten points. I mean... So, I mean, yeah, that's not, I mean, it wasn't a good, it wasn't good for him to thrive in, in the play. I mean, thriving the regular season and then, you know, stumbling the playoffs, his playoffs averages are not that far off from his regular game averages. It's just that his teammates didn't pick up the, pick up the slack. And um, that is the organizations. They picked those, t- they, you know, they, added the people that they added to the roster and you know we got very inconsistent results from them yeah well except for the one year with Chris Paul I think Dwight was really good when uh they were in the playoffs against Portland I mean he was much more consistent and much better than James in that Portland Trailblazers series the first year Dwight was here remember that that's when we went to the Western Conference Finals. Yes, I remember that. I, I'm not talking about that year. I'm talking about the year that Dame hit the last second shot. That was the year that Lamarcus Aldridge was Aldridge was lighting the Rockets up. Oh, that year. Okay, you know what? I'm. I guess I am mixing up my years. Okay. Um, I don't. I can't. I can't say if I remember. You know, I remember when Dwight decided to guard Lamarcus because he wasn't on him. I remember him taking on that responsibility because uh, LMA was lighting us up. Yeah, dropping forty on. And that was their first game. He just went off. And after that, um, Dwight was like, wait a minute, let me guard him. Because nobody could do anything with him. Was that Demo that they were trying to put on him at the time? Demo was doing hey, that? Was, I think it was uh, Osik. Was it Osik? Yeah, that's it. That's it. It was Osik. Yeah. I mean, he was giving everybody the business. But that's why I mean, Dwight was like, wait a minute. Let me come on over here and, and guard him. Because... Yeah, Lamarcus was eating us alive. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, it wasn't good. Um, but I think about in the playoffs. If I have some memories of, you know, like a favorite one, I I don't. What I remember is more frustration with 
uh, D'Antoni not making the adjustments that needed to be made, um, especially when we uh, play San Antonio in the second round and wind up losing that series uh, because um, Nene was injured in the first game, if I'm not mistaken, and he never utilized um, Montrezl Harrell. Yeah, there was some weird stuff by D'Antoni, and I mean, that's, you know, he's a good, he's a really great coach, but yeah, he he made some weird weird moves. But yeah, Maya, I mean, I I'm like you. I mean, it's just like it's it's hard to come up with specifically James Harder related. I mean, because the 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 most you know the most important I think memory for the Rockets fans over the last few years in the playoffs is really that the Clippers come back and and which James wasn't a part of. Exactly, you're right. He was on the bench because he was playing like ass, and um, yeah. Mikhail had the courage to keep the keep Josh in and Terry and um, Corey and the the guys that can't shoot three straight they all shot straight for one game it was unreal yeah like they were tired of James you know attitude out there and they was like all right because he was turning the ball over and falling apart like he's been known to do in the playoffs and they brought us back well I'm looking for I. I and particularly looking forward to uh, seeing what the Rockets can do with some of the guys that they've got. Uh, the bad news, John Wall, uh, as you and I are speaking, my he this is tomorrow's game. I'm talking about the next game, the Spurs game. He's out with a sore knee. I hope it's not anything, but with the Rockets' luck, who knows? But hopefully, John's going to be fine. Uh, it has nothing to do with the the Achilles. Um, I, I did want to ask you one last thing before you go. Um, Red Rowdies, you mentioned the fact about paying to go see the games where usually you go as a red rowdy what's the situation you guys you guys cannot uh do that this year i was assume right no we're not but i also was a season ticket holder so i had i had seats in the upper level so i've been a season ticket holder for like six years also and a red rowdy so i would um give those other tickets away or sell them or 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 my husband would use the other tickets um and while I was a red rowdy, but yes, this season we don't have um, red rowdy seat seating, so we are all paying to go to the game. When you know, I've gone to two games this season, and they might be the last two. I don't know, but uh, you know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I I want. I miss the Toyota City. I miss. I like live action games. It's just after so many years since two thousand and five, I've been at the game every game including playoffs since 2005 so that is an activity i miss um i can budget for a few of the games you know i don't have season tickets this season because of other financial commitments but i do have i can afford to go to some games i just need to be entertained and i'm waiting to see if this product this team the uh, players that we have now with this new coach if it will be an entertaining product for me to go to watch in person. Yeah. I, I feel terrible for Silas because being a new coach where you don't get a training camp like normal, you don't get the normal preseason and you're trying to change the offense and the defense on the fly with maybe one day in between every single game. It's they're playing pretty much every other day. You get a few back to backs, but that's the way it is this year. It's 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 really tough, but you know, hopefully he can somehow get these guys to where they're all on one page and the off with the offensive defense. Because you know, 
I mean, I, I'm excited to see an offense that incorporates all five guys a little bit more. I'm excited to see a defense that, you know, maybe plays to what the other team is doing and it's not the same defense. So it's predictable for the other teams. Although the switching defense, I think, is 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 a really good idea in a lot of ways. And maybe, maybe the Rockets going to have to go back to that at some point uh, if they can't figure this out this year. But, uh, yeah, a lot of that stuff is, is real interesting. And, um, yeah, Maya, I just can't tell you enough uh, how much I appreciate you coming on and giving us the first uh, podcast post-James Harden, uh, which is uh, that's a hard thing to think about, that the James Harden era is gone. It has ended, and I'm looking forward to what is in store for this team. We'll get uh, Steven's thoughts on this as well in a, in a, in a few days. Uh, Steven's going to do the regular show with me in a, in a few days, uh, regular either Sunday or Monday. We haven't decided that yet, but look for it early, early next week. And just a reminder to everybody that uh, listens, uh, you can always reach us. Give us your hardened thoughts. We'd love to hear them. What do you think about this deal? Good, bad? Uh, you know, you can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net, info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Stay healthy and safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>